Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, yeah, good morning everyone. Uh, and as Phyllis said, we really just pray that you are feel spoken to this morning, that the Holy Spirit would release those words of life to you as, as we unpack uh, some of the scriptures together and just leave a few thoughts with us. I'm just going to pick up from where Phil has started us the last couple of weeks. Uh, as he said, we are in our many series, uh, as you'll see, uh, on, on your screens and going through some of my slides of Prepare the Way. And we really felt that it was important for us that rather than just driving or jumping straight into a, a, a theme that could be a long teach and whatever it might be, or jumping straight into vision, we felt that it was really important for us just to, to pause uh, and just to allow space for us to be able just to hear the Lord for ourselves, to allow moments for the Spirit just to really do a deep work with us, to really look at some of the rhythms in our lives that were really important for us so that we could almost prepare the ground of our hearts and as the title would say, to prepare the way for what we feel and expect the Lord would do in and through us this year. And, and we're excited about that. And it's, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When we come to the start of every year, everyone's really focused. It's the beginning of a new year. It's a new moment. People are coming with fresh hope and fresh thoughts and fresh dreams. Many revolutions or New Year's revolutions or resolutions, sorry, not revolutions, resolutions are begun and are started uh, at this point. The, re- the reality is, though, that for many people, as they start into this New Year's resolutions, for, for many don't last that long. I read this stat, and I, I recognize that many of the things you get online might not be that factual. You can get anything, put anything online, and people think it's real. Uh, but this, this statistic that I read online, you'll see in your screens, it says research shows that as many as 50% of adults in the United States, it might be true, make New Year's resolutions but fewer than 10% actually keep them for more than a few months. Many people start into it, but give up, it almost seems, so quickly. It could be because of one of two reasons. One of them could be because of a word that I preached on a couple of months ago around perfectionism. People feel if it's not done perfect, if there's even a slight slip-up in it, that it's, well, let's just forget about it. But for many other people, when they start in with fresh hopes, with, it could be things like around health or fitness or finances or relationships, whatever it is, there's a fresh hope for it. Many people, the reason why they give up so easily and so quickly is because they expect almost immediate results. When they don't see something immediate happen as a result of the sacrifice that it almost feels that they're making, they, they stop. Many of you hopefully are, are reading along with us uh, with our reading plan for this year. And if, if you have been reading this week, one of the, the chapters what we were in was in Luke's Gospel chapter 8. And, and in this, Jesus tells the story of the parable of the sower. And, uh, and the disciples are asking him off the back of it, what, what does it mean? And Jesus starts to unpack it. And he says that, it talks about that there's different grounds that are spoken of and how the seed that is planted has a result depending on the grounds. And Jesus is trying to tell them about each of these grounds and what they represent. And the verse that spoke to me really specifically, that I wanted to look at just for just a couple of seconds here, was verse 15. As I read it, I just felt something really jump out to me. So let, let's just read this together. Luke chapter 8. Verse 15 says this. So this is Jesus explaining the good soil. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest 
and a good heart. And listen to these words, bear fruit with patience. Those words really caught me significantly. Bear fruit with patience. There's something about the fruit, the results that are produced in our lives when we give something that is long-lasting and sustained. The reality is, it spoke to me, I felt the Spirit speaking to me about the fruit that He desires to produce, even in my own life and for your life as well, something that is produced with patience. It's something that is produced as we step into certain things and certain rhythms and certain disciplines in our lives that are sustained. Because here's the truth, bearing fruit is not produced by a short-term fix. Bearing fruit is not produced by a short-term fix. And that's why we wanted to formulate and come up with these community rhythms, uh, as Phil has began to mention, these community rhythms, which were an outworking of our six practices. Uh, and we really believed that if, if we could hold to these, these were something that we would give ourselves to for at least for this year. Our, our belief is that as we hold to these, that we, we believe that we will begin to see the fruit of the kingdom produced in our lives. Because ultimately, again, that's what it's all about. We desire to see the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the kingdom produced in each of our lives. And what I simply want to say to you is this, that as we teach on these rhythms, as Phil looked at last week and this week and next week, as we teach in these rhythms and press into it, we just want to just really say that that is the ultimate reason of why we want to do it. We want to see the fruit of the kingdom in increasing measures in your life and in ours as well. Let that be the reason for doing it. It's not to make anyone happy. It's not simply to fit in because other people might be doing it. It's not to impress. The sole reason we're doing it is so that we can bear fruit. And, and Jesus is really clear in this, that this is something that is produced with patience. The reality is he talks about the different types of soil. The different types of soil are a picture of the condition of our own heart. That's why as part of these rhythms, Phil last week introduced in a personal way these personal devotions that you see on your screens at the moment. I'm not going to take time to go through each of those, go back and listen to what Phil said last week, but there's certain aspects that we were encouraging you to press into personally. One of the things just to say there was that on our website, if you go to our home screen, you'll see the community rhythms graphic there. If you click on it, it'll bring you to a new page where you'll see lots of these different rhythms explained further with lots of great resources to really help you. And so with the condition of our own soil, the condition of the soil, sorry, of our own heart, it's important that in a personal way, there's a personal devotion for each of us. But the second one that I want to begin looking at, the second area that we want to press into is around meaningful relationships in each of our lives. And before I teach into this and start to teach some of the rhythms in the last 10 minutes that we really want to hold each other to this year, I really want to set a biblical context and an understanding of why. Why we believe that, listen, this isn't something we do just for the sake of it, but why we believe that it is significant that we invest in meaningful relationships this year. The reality is, I recognize that in our church and maybe in your family, for those sitting uh, this morning watching this, we all have different personalities and preferences, don't we? There are many people that are extremely extroverted, people who just love being around people and talking to people. I find, I find myself quite like this. Laura would say this time and time again. I struggle to be on my own. Even in the car, I have to phone someone, it seems, time and time again. I love being able to connect. On the flip side, there's other people that are really introverted, that just love their own space. They love their, their own company. And they both... This morning, I simply want to say just a couple of things. Firstly, you know what? Firstly, periods of isolation, time on your own, and especially time with God is something that is crucial. 
We see that in the life of Jesus who withdrew to be on his own and to spend time with the Father. But to both, to both what I want to say simply this morning is this, whether it's for the, the extrovert or the introvert, to both what I want to say this morning is this. We are all, each and every one of us, all designed for meaningful relationships. We are all, each and every one of us, designed for meaningful relationship, not simply just about being isolated, being on your own, not given to superficial engagement with people either, uh, a very little depth, but what God has placed within us is a deep need of connection and relationship for each person. For us to truly grasp that, listen, one of the things that I filter a lot of stuff through, and we would do that time and time again, we want to know what is the heart and hope of God for us in certain areas. My viewpoint, my thought is, listen, let's look at original design. How did God create things in the very beginning? And many of you, again, in your reading over the last number of weeks and through the plan we've been doing since the beginning of the year, have been reading Genesis with us, and you've been reading about the creation of the world. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we read in chapter 1 about the first six days and the creation of all things. At the beginning of chapter 2, we read about the seventh day, the day of rest, and Sabbath that Phil referenced last week. And then at the end of chapter 2, the rest of it, it gives almost a second narrative and a second reflection on the creation of humanity that we read about in chapter 1 as well. And the reality is, is that as God creates, so in chapter 1, as he finishes each of the days of creating, as he gets to the end of each of the days, we read these words that God looked at what he had made and saw that it was good. This word, God looked at it and says that it was good. And then in Genesis chapter 2, we read this. I'm just going to read just bits of this and skim over a few of the verses. But in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25, these are the words that we read. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then we're told this narrative that God makes uh, out of the ground these beasts of the field and brings them for Adam to name them. And it finishes by saying this, but for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. And it goes on to say this, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took out one of his ribs and closed it up, closed up its place with flesh. And it goes on to talk about how with that bone and with that rib, God made woman and made Eve. And it finishes by saying this, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Just two, two or three things that you want to pull out. I'm going to reference this passage again, so I'm going to jump back and allow you to see just the biblical verses from, from it. Uh, but just two or three things just to pull out before we look at our actual rhythms around us. There's a couple of things which highlight, are highlighted to me as being very significant. And the first one that I grasp from it is this. There is a significance that God wants to pinpoint to us here about isolation. God speaks directly to those made in his image. As he watched on at Adam, he recognized that one thing was still missing. There was one thing that was still lacking from the God design in Adam's life as, as the one that was made in the image of God. There was still one thing that was missing from the God design in his life. And the thing that was missing was relationship. This was a key aspect that was missing. The reality is God in his fullness, God the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit exists as three in one. This is the symbol that you see for the Trinity and that is used quite often. And while there's a complete distinction in each of their beings, they exist in this beautiful dance of love. This word that's used, perichoresis, is it was what's known as the dance of love, where there's such synergy and synchronization between the three of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a harmonious set of relationships in which there's a mutual giving and receiving. And here's what happens, right? As the Father looks at Adam, 
The thing we need, God hasn't made a mistake. It's not as if he's sitting thinking, oh, I forgot to put that in him. There's something that God wants to actually teach Adam even in this moment as well. In this image bearer that is before him, there is still one thing that is not yet complete. As on his own, he doesn't reflect the fullness of God. And the fullness of God, as we said, is based around this concept of relationship. So after all the things, after all the things that God has simply said are good, what we see here in Genesis chapter 2 and you'll see this on your screens now. We go back to it. It says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Lots of other things when God has finished creating it, he looks at it and says it is good. But here he says, it is not good that man should be alone. To those who say they do, they do not need relationship or connection, I want you to hear the words of the Father spoken in love this morning. It's not good that man would be alone. Other passages of Scripture, Old and New Testament speak about this. So for example, in the wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, we're told this about how companionship is better than riches. Listen to these words. There is a person without a companion, without even a brother or son or brother. And though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. Who am I struggling for, he asks, and depriving myself of good things? This too is futile and a miserable task. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without having anyone to lift him up. It's a serious thing in terms of isolation. Medically speaking, doctors would tell us this. So here's a consultant who speaks about isolation and loneliness. Listen to what they say with this. When you're experiencing loneliness, your levels of cortisol, a stress hormone, go up. Cortisol can impair cognitive performance, compromise the immune system, and increase your risk for vascular problems, inflammation, and heart disease, right? This is just medically speaking, some of the things that it's affect because when it comes to loneliness, it affects all the different systems that are going on with, within your body. And is there any reason that this, this is another reason why God, as he looks at it, speaks into it and says these words, it is not good that man would be alone. It is not good And so we need to sit up and we need to take notice of this. This is the heart of a father who desires good things for us. And he says this to Adam, it is not good that man would be alone. On the flip side of that, right, so we, wanna, we said about the significance of isolation, but the, the flip side of it or the mirror side of that is the significance then of relationships. What are some of the things that we learn from this passage that are crucial for us to understand that we can actually glean and have in our lives because of the relationships around us? And the first thing that we get from it is a, a sense of giving and a receiving of, of help. There's a help that we can give to others and that we can receive from others as well. When God has recognized and has said it's not good that man should be alone, listen to what he says. It's not good that man should be alone. Therefore, I will make him a helper. This, this, this is important for us to grasp. What, what can so easily happen, right? In, the, in this passage in Genesis 2, what can so easily happen is that many people can almost limit it and say, well, this is God talking about women, how 
and the role of wives to husbands and about this is what a wife should be, is that they should be a helper to a husband. And listen, there, there's, there's a little bit of truth in it. And the reality is there should be a help that's given between men and women and the role of wife and husband within a married relationship. But if we just focus it solely, for me, if we just focus it solely in this, we miss the depth of understanding about what God is actually trying to say to us here through the Spirit. It can almost be a narrow-mindedness that comes with it. Because the reality is that God is saying these words into a situation. Remember the context of which God is actually saying these words. He's looking at Adam, this image bearer who's on his own, who's on his own this image bearer who has not yet stepped into the fullness and the completeness of what God has. And so God now says that he's going to make him a helper, but he just doesn't make him just like a mate. He just doesn't get another person for the sake of saying, well, here's someone else that you can hang out with because you're on your own. That's not what it was about. There's something about Eve as a woman that complements Adam in itself, in himself as well. But the two of them together, the beautiful thing about this is that what God actually tells them in chapter one, we, we read this, he says these words, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The reality was that from these two, from these two image bearers, male and female, suddenly from their union together would be an offspring, there would be other helpers that would be born there would be other helpers that would be produced that could help and support one another, that could step into the fullness of the image of God in relationship with, with one another. We actually know this as well from this, the word for helper is this Hebrew word, um, Ezer. Jerry referenced this in a meeting we were in on Wednesday night, and I thought it was great and asked her to send it to me. It occurs 21 times in the Old Testament. It's only used twice to speak about the need of the helper for man and specifically about Eve. It's used three times in the Old Testament to speak about military assistance. And it's used 16 times to talk about how God was Israel's helper. The reality is for us, again, remember what I'm saying at the start. The goal for us in our lives is that we desire to bear the fruit of the kingdom in our lives. And God recognizes that as we do this, we need help. Similar to this word where we're saying 16 times this reference and it's speaking about how God is our helper. God is still our helper. Jesus said this in the Great Commission that he would be with us to the very end of the age. He actually says that he wouldn't leave us alone, that he was sending the Holy Spirit. And in John's gospel, we're told three times that Jesus actually referenced that the Holy Spirit would be our helper. God is our helper. But yet God still desires that somehow that how we would get part of that help is through our relationship with, with other people. That we would be able to step into more of a fuller understanding and a fuller relationship with him through the help and support of other people in our lives. And as well, that's why we want to just put structure in our lives too. I love this quote from John Mark Comer. He says, if a vine doesn't have a trellis, it will die. If your life with Jesus doesn't have some kind of structure to facilitate health, and growth, it will wither away. It's so important to have structure. It's so important to have help. And here's the here's the the hard fact of it for you: we all need help. This is not a weak thing to say. We all need help. It's not, a, again, a weak thing to ask other people for help or to reach out. We all need help. We need the help of God and we need the help of one another to be able to step into this fruit bearing of the kingdom of heaven. The other beautiful thing about relationships, while there's something about help that we're able to get from it, the other thing that we get from relationships is that we get to experience this concept of oneness. 
where there's a depth of connection. Again, earlier we were saying about sometimes um, it, it can be about the superficial relationships that many people can experience. What God desires for us is a depth of connection with each other. In Genesis chapter 2, we're told this as well about male and female at the very end. It says, we often would read this at weddings, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This word for one here means perfectly united. There's just depth of union. And believe again, listen, while yes, it does speak about marriage, we reference this again in many wedding ceremonies. It's not simply just talking about that alone. I believe I believe that if sin had not come into the world, if sin had not come into the world, all of humanity would have continued to have experienced that oneness and that closeness of relationship together. And yet sin comes in and breaks it and almost disrupts it and ruins it. And yet what Jesus does is Jesus comes back to redeem and to restore all things back to the Father and to restore all things and to redeem all things back to the original purpose and design that has been upon their life. And part of that comes from the kingdom relationships that we have, not just with him, but with other people. And this is Jesus' desire for us, that we would be a people that could experience that oneness together again, listen to his prayer. Doesn't we almost finish with this context part and then we're just gonna just simply finish by listening our rhythms. But listen to the prayer of Jesus for us that he prays in John's gospel. It's on your screens again. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Listen to this, that they may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is the prayer of Christ for us, that we would be one. These, they, these are the significant things that, even from this passage that we see again in the heart of God as he created things, before we even look at our rhythms we're saying around meaningful relationships, I want us just to grasp the heart and the significance of what this applies and what it means for us. The desire of God for us that we would not be isolated, that we would not be alone, but yet that we would experience that help of connection and relationship with one another and that those relationships that we have wouldn't just be superficial engagements again, but we would have that depth of connection together. That's God's desire for you this morning who are watching. And so with that, with that all being said, for us then, we want to put some sense of structure around that to help us to support and actually step into it. If that's God's desire for us, then I don't know about you, but I want to press into that. I want to go after that. I want to start to ask myself, how can I actually embed some good rhythms and structures to actually help me to do that? And so around this area of meaningful relationships, again, as part of our community rhythms, what you'll see on our website, um, when you click on it, here's a screenshot of our website and uh, some of the fuller explanations around this idea of community rhythms. The first one you see within this that we're suggesting to you is around family altar, a weekly rhythm of practicing communion together as, as a family. With, within our family units, this, this is a primary place for us to be able to help one another. When it comes to husbands and wives, again, listen, you're 
your role is to be able to help one another in, in your faith and, and in practical ways and lots of different ways. Your roles are to be able to help one another for parents to children. Our responsibilities are to be able to help and support one another and children to parents to be able to help too. This is a key area and a key focus for discipleship in our lives. This is the primary place where discipleship happens. If we're expecting the discipleship of our children to happen by coming to a church meeting or attending something like that, instead of it actually happening in our home, we are totally well led by this. This is the key in the primary place where discipleship happens and the support of faith happens as well or where it should be happening. And what we're simply encouraging you to do is to form patterns of pressing into Christ together. To form patterns of pressing into Christ together. That's what we want to hold ourselves to be able to do. And the key way we want to do that is simply just by breaking bread together. Listen, there could be lots of things that you do, like sort of praying together, reading the word together, which would be brilliant. For many, maybe for some homes, maybe just there's very little of that happens. What we're saying is let's have a beginning point. And we're suggesting again, why don't we just take at least one day a week where you choose a time in that day where you sit as a family in whatever context that looks like and we break bread just as we've done this morning and we remember the Lord together. There's some great stories that we had from the first lockdown where families did this even for the first time and the life that they felt together and being able to experience and remember Jesus together. Can I just offer one piece of advice though as you do this? Don't, don't expect this to be perfect. If, if I was being honest and really transparent, I found myself during the first lockdown and since that point, there was times where even as we broke bread as a family, I, I found these, there was moments where I started to get frustrated at things like where maybe if the kids were, were mucking around or just different things were happening, I, I don't know, there's part of me that just can... Maybe, again, it's that perfectionist thing within me, perhaps at times, or part of me sometimes it just felt a sense of frustration. Listen, this is a moment for us to enjoy Jesus together. This is not a religious moment or something we're doing out of religion or routine. What we're saying is for you as a family to sit in the context of your family, in the context of your home, and as a family to enjoy this moment together. Let's not think that this has to be a perfect moment. This is a real moment together as a family, and so allow the joy of the Lord to be present in in these moments and let's celebrate Jesus together. This is the first thing we would love for you to do. So let's get a day in the week. Let's get a time and let's agree together as a family. This is when we'll break bread together as a family and remember Jesus. The second thing that you see uh, on the screens there then is around accountable relationships. And through this, what we're encouraging you to do is to commit to a church life group meeting at least fortnightly. Again, let me be really clear. You cannot do this alone can't say this time and time more than enough. You cannot do this alone. Earlier, we referenced that word helper as meaning it's, it was a military term. Uh, and, and that, in essence, is what it still applies for with us. We fight for one another. We battle alongside one another in prayer, support, and help in whatever way that is. And almost like we are comrades together in, in the family of God. And I say all of this without judgment. Listen, there are quite a few people still within church that aren't engaged within life group. And some, for I'm sure, some really good legitimate reasons. But there are many people that still aren't in life groups. But here our heartness, we would really love for your sake. I want you to know the depth of connection that God desires for you and relationships and how you can be helped. We really want that for you, for you to be supported 
and nurtured and nursed in your faith and connection and relationship with other people. We want that for you. And so let me say this again. We want you to be able to engage. For some of you, that might be a re-engagement with Life Group. For maybe many of you, or for some of you, you might have engaged years ago and some of the old cell models or in life groups previously, and you stopped maybe for a reason. For some of you, it might even be for the first time. Remember the goal we're saying in all of this is to bear the fruit of the kingdom in our lives, isn't it? This isn't just about for us just to enjoy what we're doing in our own lives, in our own context. But to do that, you need the help of others, and other people need the help from you. You have a role to play in how we do this. Listen, for some people, there's, there's just a, maybe a fear or what life groups be like, a misunderstanding of it. And what I want to do is just three, three slides that just are going to have just words of testimony. There's, there was a life group that sent me this, one of our life group three sent me this around a couple of months ago, just their, their testimonies and their stories of what life groups are meaning to them. And they sent it to me to say, listen, we'd just love to encourage you, Dave. This is what life groups is meaning to us. And it was an encouragement to me, but I wanted it to be an encouragement to you as well. If you're not in life groups, I want you to see, just and hear, not from my words, but from the words of others, just some of the life and engagement that people are experiencing and doing life in community and in relationship and in engagement with other people. So here's some of the words and testimonies of other life groups. It is a space to be authentically myself, where I am accepted and loved just as much on my bad days as I am on my good. I can really come just as I am. I greatly value the space of safety that has been developed in our life group three that has allowed each of us to share our hearts with real vulnerability. It's one of the nights I look forward to the most in my week as I always come away feeling encouraged and built up. Another one said this, my concern was that I didn't think I could be honest, vulnerable, or share things that I struggle with. I'm learning so much about myself through others' eyes that are able to see me for, for me. It took me one week, just one Zoom call to be able to open. It was, it's been a beautiful journey getting to know the others in our life group. God is doing amazing things through them, and I'm thankful that I can be a part of that. And the final person said, this life group has been an unexpected delight in my schedule, encouraging and challenging ourselves and one another through the study of the Word. It is a place of safety where I can simply be myself. It has been my great delight in watching others grow in who they are, discovering their unique gifts and starting to step out and grow into, God, and into what God is calling them to be. I am learning so much personally too. It really is a lifeline, and I have seen the power of God in the lives of others. Some beautiful words of testimony of what God is doing in the context of people's lives. And the reality is, listen, we want that for everybody. Let me say this as well. Listen, Life Group isn't going to be the the be-all and end-all and the fixer of everything, but it's a beginning point to allow you to be nurtured in relationship and discipling relationships where you can be open and accountable with other people. And finally, just to say this on life groups, listen, if you, if you are interested, what we are going to be opening up in February and going to be sharing some of the dates about this in, in the coming weeks, but we're opening these things which we're simply calling life group taster sessions. And for some of you who are maybe a bit worry about committing to a life group because what is it actually that you're committing to? What we're going to do is just open these nights that you'll just sign up to even for like one or two nights just to come along. It allows you to experience what happens in a life group. It allows you to see with, with, uh, with no ties, with no other commitments, just to say, listen, you want to come along, just see what it's like for one or two nights. 
And from that, for you to be able to form and make a decision for yourself if you feel that this will be for you. And so we're going to give you more information about that in the coming weeks. And then the final thing just to say, just in these last couple of minutes, so in our commitment and relationship, it's in family, how we want to support one another. It's in relationship with others. And the final thing you see on your screen is this and what it means to welcome in and to reach out. Through this, it's welcoming others into our families and life groups, reaching out generously to others and loving actions and sharing the good news. See, the reality is there's many people in our community who are struggling with isolation. For all the stuff that we said about the negativities and the negatives that there are with isolation, there are many people who are lonely and are isolated at this moment of time. They have no connections. They have no relationships. They have no one to turn to. And in our current climate, listen, that's just majorly escalated and heightened. And so one of the key practices that we have as a church is around generosity and hospitality. And that term, hospitality, is just often, um, it's often just narrowed down or pigeonholed simply into what it means around uh, meals, around tables. This is a key aspect of hospitality, of course it is, and I don't want to downplay the significance of that. Listen, we're so excited and looking forward to the moment again when we can open the doors of our homes and welcome people in and do table fellowship because that's a key part of it. But let's not just limit hospitality simply to this. I love these words of John Tyson in his book, Beautiful Resistance, which I read a number of weeks ago, and he says this about hospitality. Jesus was able to model what our culture is craving, spaces of welcome where strangers Enemies, outsiders, and others can become our friends. And simply these words are spaces of welcome. This is what it's all about. Spaces of welcome. The moment in our lives, it might feel that maybe with the time that you have, you might have more spaces in your margins of your life. And simply while we're asking ourselves is how do we use these spaces that we have to welcome other people in? When we said that we were stopping Sunday gatherings, listen, that was a hard decision for us because we recognized that we didn't want people to be isolated. And yet we're saying this morning that there are some structures that we have here for you to be able to engage. We're structures that we have for you to be able to step into. And we're asking, would you take a step with us and engage with us in that so that you can be helped? That if you need help this morning, we want to help you. We want to support you. We want to be here for you. But it takes you to step towards us as well within that. But yet around you, in the context of where you are, there are people in our culture and in our society at the moment that need help, the people that are isolated. And where God has you positioned at the moment is significant and a strategic. God has you placed for a purpose. And so one of the things we said at that time was that we wanted to be a people that would love our neighbor and just be outward looking and support people in whatever way we could. You know what? One of, um, the, the, these are the words of, of, of God there's a couple of other things to say, but for time's sake, I just want to finish with this. They, they, these are the words of God that have been screaming out, screaming out from the Garden of Eden, down through the centuries, and right into today, into our context. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. So the question is, how do we respond to that? For us to respond, there needs to be an engagement with just this, these deep and meaningful relationships that God desires for us. So do that in family. Do it in context of, of life groups and accountable relationships. And finally, we just need to be that for people. We need to be Jesus to those around us. God's desire is that even by simply saying a hello 
and getting to know people and showing an interest, we could start to build relationships and there could be an opening and an engagement and a welcome in of people and allow them to experience God's kingdom in that way. Listen, what I want to do is just simply finish this morning just by praying. I want to pray for us and that as we step into it, we could experience the fullness of what God desires for us through. So why don't you join with me just as we pray? Father, thank you for, thank you for your, your love for us, God. Father, thank you that you desire, God, great things for us. And God, thank you that you never leave us alone. Thank you that you're with us. You're with us, Jesus, to the very end of the age. And the Holy Spirit, thank you that you are our helper. And yet, God, I just thank you that we have been blessed to be placed, God, in position, God, in this church family, God, and for others, God, in their own families as well. God, we just pray, Lord, that in those spaces, God, that there would be places, God, where people would feel nurtured and supported, God, and and helped, God, at this time. And yet, God, in our community, God, we recognize there are those that need help, God. We just pray for them. Would you use us? God, give us your eyes to see, God, what is going on around us. God, would you give us wisdom, God, to know what to do? Would you give us boldness, God, and faith to step in, God, and to be you to those around us? And so, God, we just pray, God, that through this, your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, and, God, that we would start to experience the fruit of your kingdom in increasing ways. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this week as we begin to press into these things together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk